This is Tox News, a poor dumb rebellion broadcast. in there softly you can hear well that was weird as shit that uh was trump's recent one minute uh what is it press conference where he came out to say covid19 is a thing and the stock market is doing great and then he just dipped and you can hear in the background well that was weird as shit and indeed it was because yesterday was not a good day for El Presidente. El Presidente actually confirmed or, uh, I don't know, told the GSA, uh, who is supposed to handle the transition between Trump to Biden, uh, he told the GSA to do her job. And uh, since then, Trump has seemed a bit sour. A little bit more on the sour side here. He's not doing so well. Uh no after all of these lawsuits haven't come to the fruition that he had hoped he's starting to slowly kind of cave in and give out um today he was focused on uh, apparently some voter fraud going on Pennsylvania we have a brief i think press conference that he attended here going on i haven't watched this yet or even heard about it but it's something that he tweeted it's about 10 minutes long Rudy Giuliani's there. So a couple of other great networks, but... Uh... Okay, so Trump is calling in to the Pennsylvania State Legislature holding hearings on election issues and irregularities, which has Cindy Powell and Rudy Giuliani. I really appreciate uh, being asked to speak, and I'm in the Oval Office right now, and it's very interesting to see what's going on, and this was an election that we won easily. We won it by a lot. Uh, a big energy uh, official was... To remind you, um, Joe Biden had at least, I think, 80 to 90 more electoral votes than... Or, or electoral points than Donald Trump. And also to remind you, I believe Joe Biden received at least 5 million more votes than Donald Trump. 
I just, yep. You know, most of that shit doesn't really need to be said. Because Trump should be a grown man and live in reality. But when he says one by a lot, what do you mean? On this morning, uh, on a uh, important show, and said there's no way Trump didn't win Pennsylvania because the energy industry was all for him. Uh, I saw, you know, with with my eyes what happened, and he told me horror stories, absolute horror. And I mean, there's Trump showing his hand a bit. The indus the energy industry being fully behind Trump. Uh, is Trump's logic to why he should have won, but uh, he didn't win the votes. So, um, and I think just before this, uh, listening to Democracy Now, uh, Pennsylvania is actually having issues certifying their votes. I think there was a judge uh, even attempting trying to block all of the voting going on there. So I don't know if there's going to be like a runoff or what is necessarily going to happen. But even with Pennsylvania, Trump is not going to uh, win the Electoral College. So honestly, the overall uh, situation going on in Pennsylvania is pretty confusing, but it seems to be where Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell are going to be focusing their energy since Georgia fell through their uh, grimy little hands. So this was a uh, very sad to say it. This election was rigged and we can't let that happen. We can't let it happen for our country. And this election has to be turned around because uh, we won Pennsylvania. What's fascinating is that he's still claiming that it's an illegitimate uh, election, and yet he's also allowing <laughs> the transition to uh, proceed. So um, refusing to concede while also making sure that everything that is supposed to be done is being done strange but maybe maybe not because he told the gsa to do her job through twitter and apparently that's uh, official president business but as i was saying bloomberg here reports pennsylvania judge uh halts further vote certification steps so that's where we're at um but yeah trump phoning into the hearings uh which is weird this is all very weird shouldn't be normal by a lot and we won all of these swing states by a lot Anybody watching television the night of the election was saying, wow, I was called by the biggest political people. Congratulations, sir, on a big win. And all of a sudden, ballots were dumped all over the place and a lot of horrible things happened. And everybody in that room, I want to thank all of the people that signed affidavits and all of the speakers. You fantastic people, you great patriots. I want to thank the senators for being there. And uh, it's so important, day before, Thanksgiving, it really represents somebody between the voter suppression and all of the horrible things that happened to poll watchers. Uh, we have poll watcher affidavits uh, piled up to the ceiling. They're all over. They were treated horribly all over this, uh, all, all of these swing states. I mean, virtually all of the swing states. And many other things were happening that were horrible, just horrible. But the poll watchers weren't allowed to watch. Uh, they were, in many cases, whisked out of the room, not only into pens that were 20, 30, 40, 60, 100 feet away, where you couldn't even see. They were using binoculars, people are reporting. I honestly got to wonder about everybody that is in that room that has been hearing this for two weeks now. Two weeks, he is making the same case over and over and over and over again and has found little to no success in any of the states that he has brought 
uh, all of these uh, lawsuits to. And yet he is reading his rhetorics into a t an entire room who I am sure is very fucking familiar with it. I cannot believe how much of a desperate baby our current president is. And the fact that 73 million Americans are dying for more of it. ...that they had to use binoculars and that didn't work. Uh, if you were a Republican poll watcher, you were treated like a dog. And uh, the Democrats had no problem, but they were rough. They were, they were literally uh, pushed out, and it was rough tactics. This is what, what happened here. This is not the United States of America, what happened. And I think everybody knows that that's why you're uh, there, and that's why you're so vehement about it. Uh, we have many, many cases, many, many cases of people walking in, a, a woman, an elderly woman walks in, looking forward to voting November 3rd and says, oh good, where would I go back? We have many, many cases. And here's one anecdotal one with actual no proof of this ever happening. I'm voting. I'm sorry, you've already voted. Your ballot is in. I said, no, I didn't vote. I didn't vote. No, your ballot is in. You've already voted. In all cases for Biden, by the way. She said, no, no, I want to vote. Nope, your ballot is in. And then they give her a provisional ballot to sign, which goes nowhere. It's a disgrace that this is happening to our country. We won this election by a lot. We got 74 million votes. And if you would have said 74 million votes the day before the election, every single professional in the business would have said there's no way of beating that. We got 11 million votes more than we had four years before in 2016. And we got many votes more than Ronald Reagan had when he won 49 states. And nobody would have said we even had a chance of losing. And all you had to do is take a look at the numbers at 10 o'clock in the evening when everybody thought the election was virtually over. And then very weird things happened. But they're not weird to professionals and they're not weird to Dominion and other people that I'm... <laughs> yeah, he's still uh, building up that idea of the voter fraud. And I think even though he's already, you know, transitioning, essentially, um, I just find it fascinating because it's that perfect rhetoric that is going to uh, continue on the victimhood of the Republican Party um, because their cause is not worthy if they are not victims of any kind of oppression. And uh, Donald Trump is being oppressed by losing an election. Um and he's unable to find any proof of this. Now, the thing is, is that I'm not going to watch this whole fucking video. I'm going to fast forward a little bit because we're four minutes in. It's a 10 minute video, four minutes in. And I am pretty sure this entire video is Trump calling in on a telephone, making his case uh, in at, at uh, state legislature hearings, room full of people. And he's going to be the one talking for 10 minutes. This is his opening statement for his case, which he could not even appear to, which he had Rudy Giuliani and his Kraken appear at. Kraken being Sidney Powell. Now, fast forwarding here to the very last bit, just to make sure, just to make sure. Let's get the last minute in, huh? Let's get the last minute in there. And that, that way we'll make sure if it's literally a video of Trump, talking to a room full of people who have already heard his bullshit before 
because he's still not providing any evidence of actual voter fraud in Pennsylvania. So, is he talking to a room full of people for 10 minutes of the same shit that we've been hearing for two weeks? Maybe even a bit longer since he's been trying to say that this is a rigged election since, I don't know, the fucking primaries. Let's find out. In other words, if we needed 50,000 votes, we're not talking about we found nine dead people that voted. Of course, there were many more than that. Many numbers that nobody even believes. No, we're talking about numbers that are far in excess of the 50,000, far in excess of another state where we lost by 10,000. And they went absolutely wild because we got far more votes than they thought possible. And they've just stepped in the gas and they got caught. Just like they got caught spying on my campaign, they got caught exactly, they got caught doing this. So I really appreciate it and the country appreciates it. And we have to turn the election over because there's no doubt we have all the evidence, we have all the affidavits, we have everything. All we need is to have some judge listen to it properly without having a political opinion or having another kind of a problem. Because we have everything. And by the way, the evidence is pouring in now as we speak. He still hasn't provided any evidence, and apparently now it's just pouring in, even though they're at a hearing where they are supposed to provide evidence that needs, like, you know, that would in, that would uh, cause the need for a recount or investigations. So, um, wow. He really did just phone in his opening statement at state legislature for 10 fucking minutes because this is the kind of privilege that only a president can achieve so that's great um the republican party donald trump are going to continue on this was a fraud election um we are living in a rogue state that has nothing to do with our constitution and freedoms that's this is the new right wing this is the new gop if anybody cannot accept this as the party as it is then i do not know what to tell you um, but you know, just breaking news about an hour ago, um, you know, we all rumored it, but he did it. He, uh, pardoned general Michael Flynn. Yep. The, uh, QAnon general Flynn. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't see the, oh, it looks like he took it down, but I do remember he had a picture that said, uh, what was it called? Uh, where we go one, we go all. Uh, about two hours before he was pardoned, he tweeted Jeremiah 119. Rather than actually just putting up what Jeremiah 119 says. It says, they will fight against you but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Is he... Is that like a pretty subtle way to compare Trump to Jesus, or that he's like a... some sort of, um... I don't know, tool of God? Because uh, if Trump is the tool of God, I really wonder like how islamophobic xenophobic god might be but you know that's for a that's for a different uh conversation there's a retweet here of this clip that i just want to play between jim jeffries and jordan peterson since we did yesterday's 
or last episode, not yesterday. But Making people bake a cake for a gay wedding. Making them do it? Yeah. I don't think that's a very good idea. But here's the argument. So should they be able to deny making a cake for a black couple if they don't like black people? Allowed to? Probably. That doesn't mean it's right. Okay, so then we had the civil rights movement yep. where they said black people, we had to serve them in your restaurants and yep. stuff like that. And it did work and it did make our society better. But would yep. you argue that that still wasn't right? No, that was right. Why, why is that different to now if you didn't want to make a cake for black, black people? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not different. Yeah. Maybe I was wrong about that. Making At least Jordan Peterson has that to say that he was wrong, but I, I just never see him actually flip that into his actions. So that was a very uh, good clip there from Jim Jeffries. I haven't seen too much of Jim Jeffries' show, but that's actually a good highlight there. All right, so we got to move off of Trump and Twitter. Otherwise, I'll just end up there all night. Got a couple of segments to get into, homies. We're going to begin with Steven Crowder's episode yesterday. Just the just the little bits at the beginning um, where he's going to talk about what you can do to be disobedient. And I find that very fascinating because since George Floyd, we've seen a lot of left-wing movements. And since COVID, we've seen uh, some right-wing movements, whether they just be uh, fascists gathering in the streets in pro-Trump rallies or in anti-lockdown protests full of people not wearing masks. Also, another highlight, another highlight is uh, right-wing militias plotting to kidnap a governor. So... Very interested into what Steven Crowder has to say, especially since he was a speaker at least a week. I think it was like a week or a month. I'm not 100% sure. But there was anti-lockdown protests, which Steven Crowder showed up to in Michigan shortly after that, where he, uh, you know, gave inspirational speeches to uh, libertarians. After that, that's when... There was a foiled plot against Governor Whitmer of Michigan. So now he had a video yesterday, his podcast, which was called specifically Calling All Patriots to Disobey. And it had a fun little thumbnail where he had a, a an assault rifle. And for some reason, he always wears his dual gun holsters uh, at his show. So obviously those were in the pictures as well. He's been wearing that to his change my mind videos, but I guess, you know, since he's a public figure, he can have that level of paranoia where like, Oh, somebody might Selena me. Right. But for the most part, weird, it's weird that you carry guns on you all the fucking time. But you know, I don't know. Some people, I guess, live in the danger of the wild west and some of us don't. So what does Crowder have to say about disobedience? His uniform on. <laughs> um, so this is the question. Since uh, Republicans are becoming the, the oppressed, they're becoming the victims, right? Fraudulent election, lockdowns telling you what to do, the mass. Everybody's been calling you a Nazi, a racist, a bigot. We are the victims because of this goddamn cancel culture ruining everything for all of our right-wing talking heads. So what is Crowder's solution to all of this left-wing oppression that is crushing the right spirit. People have, <laughs> what can you do? And, and I'm glad my half-Asian lawyer, Bill Richmond, is here uh, COVID-free with a lot of it. You know, we're going into Thanksgiving and there are these lockdowns and people are saying, well, what can we do at this point? Yeah. It seems like everything is lost and it's not. Right. The election is not over. That's why we still have the promo code. 
But you still do have the, the far left acting as though it's over and already implementing these crazy lockdowns and, and, and trying to, to bar you from celebrating Thanksgiving. Here's the thing. The far left. I didn't know that we actually had real progressives uh, in that many parts of the country in office that have, you know, the authority to lock down entire states, cities, municipalities. What I also very find very fascinating is that I don't know of any, I don't know, actual socialists, communists, anarchists, whatever far left means to Steven Crowder. I don't I, no, no. And if Democrats are far left these days, then we have a lot to really reconcile with in this country. Thing You haven't seen this in the media. There have been a lot of acts of civil disobedience yeah. and it starts with understanding your rights it starts with understanding the bounds of the law so that you can understand where your local officials or in some cases governors are actually not within the parameters of the law or certainly people coming in trying to shut down your business when they don't have that authority so let's go through a few acts of civil disobedience some yeah. of my favorites one of which involves a crazy polish man finally oh, nice. <laughs> finally the crazy Polacks got one right uh, this is in Buffalo, New York. No one cares. Pollock's like, yeah. it's true. It's true. However, we were the ones who said, stop with the Muslim immigration. Joke's on you. We win. <laughs> um, I don't know if I would say Polish <laughs> like people a lot of win. Russians. I don't know yeah, what the polls are. But I do know Russian people from Buffalo, though. New York Not sound Midwestern. As really you'll see sure in this. I'm not sure what even that joke was. Is that like the Polish have uh, got a number on somebody because they banned Muslims? I. Oh, see, that's what I'm saying is like sometimes like I don't know what it is. It's definitely not because he's black, but Dave Chappelle knows how to use racism for, uh, I don't know, meta commentary. That's funny. But when you're using ethnicity and racism as the butt of the joke, like that's the that's the punchline. It's just it's really whack. It's weak. I don't I don't know. I have a hard time laughing at it because it's just I don't know. It's not here are some uh not and I always act like this every time I have to watch a fucking Crowder video but here's the craziest fucking thing is that for right-wing media Crowder is as big as the Young Turks and as far as YouTube goes that's pretty fucking big in fact he surpassed the Young Turks so that's that's pretty fucking big um so unfortunately we have to take this silly silly man uh seriously even though he also tries to really sugarcoat his ideology in comedy or with the change my mind segment in him actually trying to open his mind to discussion when that's not what his videos really are. And I'm sure there's much better bread tube videos breaking down the exact philosophy and ideology of Steven Crowder, but what we're here to do is live in the moment and talk about what he's talking about. So if you want that, go find another fucking channel. Not only business owners in Buffalo, New York, but there was a meeting of business owners, I think restaurateurs specifically, oh, yeah. which is an affected name. You own a diner. Restaurateur. <laughs> <laughs> um, they said some cops came in and were sent in, and I think also perhaps a health inspector. I'm not sure the role of this yeah. this professional Karen in chief. They were shutting <laughs> down trying to shut down this business and they responded again in understanding their rights this to me is one of the most beautiful encapsulations of you knowing your rights and civil disobedience that all of us can and i would encourage to be engaging in you're on private property you need to leave we're asking to appeal to your compassionate side i know your taxpayer you know our tax dollars guarantee your guys's paychecks but some of these people actually work for their money and they don't want to lose their livelihood i've lost friends I've lost family who've killed themselves i've seen clients die because they've lost their livelihood I'm sorry to hear that. I know you are, and I'm just a pale, I'm asking for you to guys have yeah, some compassion. Like, 
for the people that have lost everything. We do have compassion for people who Okay, well, you need to go have compassion out in the parking lot. <laughs> this is a private property. Compassion. Get your ass compassion in the parking lot. Listen, man, this is private property. Get a warrant. You're not here. Yeah. So do your jobs. I love how she reached into her holster and pulled out a cell phone. <laughs> What's really great is that he called her a Karen in chief when like this lady doesn't fit the description of a Karen. So that also tells me that Steven Crowder doesn't agree with what everybody else calls as a Karen. But that's probably because he doesn't think a woman calling uh, the police on a uh, minority is a Karen or somebody who's freaking out because they're not allowed to wear a mask. Somebody who's actually showing up to do their job and is actually doing it quite politely um, is a Karen to him. We do Police not hate this man. It is a protest. This is a lawful protest. And no one had to burn down a racetrack or throw a Molotov cocktail into a buckle oh. store. And when did any of those happen at uh, uh, any of the BLM anti-Trump protests? Name a protest where that has happened. What's she calling Cuomo? Hey, they're not listening. They they're not listening. Hey. Yeah. That's like they're not listening. Reaching into the suit jacket and pulling out a notepad. <laughs> like Hans Bricks from the UN. Out. So there you go. They understood. No, you, you don't have the authority to come in right. here. You are on yeah. private property. Leave. Yeah. They didn't assault anybody. They didn't throw right. bricks. They didn't hit anyone in the back of the head with a snare drum, which, yeah. although a creative crime, I do not advocate this against no, the police. No. That's a little that makes music an interesting to it, sound. Yeah. <laughs> The show's really not funny, but here's the thing is that it was a separate situation. They were protesting at like four or five cops that came to uh, shut down their, un I guess, unlawful gathering to do business when they were underneath lockdown. But here's the thing is that we don't have the specifics of the laws or the certain part, the particulates of this circumstance as to why Buffalo was there. All we know is that we are anti-lockdown. And so the cops trying to lock us down that is tyranny and that's all the context that we have that's all the context that steven crowder really even needs for this whole entire segment and it's bullshit <laughs> what is that sound gerald <laughs> it, it actually happened there's it. one of these products who hit a female cop in a riot helmet with a snare drum and, like, oh, wow. <laughs> and she was like ah oh, she was very confused and she was more oh, like yeah. is someone start is there a concert they didn't know about they didn't get a permit no you're about to say something i was gonna say that they asked them they said okay well what is the violation to the the karen in chief as you pointed out and she said oh it's anonymous and he's like that's what you have the right to whole... face your accuser, yeah. correct? Well, you do in certain contexts. Um, and, yeah. and here's here's the thing in is, look, we're, we're, you, if you were a law enforcement officer <laughs> in this moment, you have a lot of things that you're in a rock and a hard place in. Right. Which is you're sworn to uphold the law, whatever the laws may be. But however, you have the ability in the United States to decide whether or not you're going to actually go and enforce something or not. Yeah. So what yeah. is the pressure? The pressure is coming from. That's fucking great. Is that like, so I, I've been to a couple of the B, BLM protests here, just a couple, and most people would ask the cops to like quit their job because for the most part, I think a lot of people want to see like serious restructuring and reformation of the police. So asking police to all quit 
to basically all go on strike until things are fixed. Um, that is essentially what they're going to advocate here in the name of anti-lockdown because uh, the government's not going to pay people to take time off from work and take care of every small business. So we all have to stay uh, working in order to pay our bills so that we don't die. And it's not a very fair dichotomy that we're dealing with here. It's either die from the virus or die from the destruction of livelihood. So, you know, we're looking at two teeterings here. Um... But that's, you know, it just takes a much broader conversation to have because why can we not have lockdowns if people's lives are being taken care of? But everybody seems to advocate this like uh, work is freedom kind of ideology where you have to work in order to be at the full potential of your rights to earn the rights of your livelihood or some shit like that, whatever the fuck that even means. Like, honestly, I don't understand what, like, true freedom is going to be when we're, when our government says that you have to go to work, but when we can't go to work in the safety of our own health, the government's not willing to take care of it for that situation. And people on this side of the spectrum of American politics don't want to pay the taxes to take care of that. So, we're honestly between a rock hard place and a rapist. Like, this, we're fucked, honestly from who who is at the top of every law enforcement food chain in every jurisdiction politicians it's right. the politicians who are saying you go enforce these rules or you'll be out on the street right, you'll be yeah. out on a livelihood so so i liked how those business owners spoke to them and even raising their voice and like doing the chanting that's all great stuff right. it's communicating hey we're trying to do our job yeah and what sucks is officers are caught between back. a rock and a hard place. They're caught yeah. between a Cuomo and a constitutional place in a lot ah, of these scenarios. Boom. Easy choice. Um, you guess which one's the hard place. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about and I'm just going to say real quick, though, is that we're not going to talk about what the Constitution is for, you know, having a lockdown to protect public safety. I don't really even think that, um, you know, 13 colonies needed that at the time. You know, 13 states. So... It, you know, our constitution didn't plan for plagues. Fucking dorks. Are we talking about barbell nipples? <laughs> uh, Cuomo. Dirty, we'll get to Cuomo's man. Thanksgiving orders, which, by the way, I will not comply. I don't know if that means I'm going to be banned because I'll be making merry. But uh, I, And people have said, if you make merry at Thanksgiving, you're going to have a much quieter house at Christmas. Like, oh, I see oh, an geez. empty crutch by the fire. Go screw yourself. Right. Yeah. Listen, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving and... Uh, so here's another example. In Huntington <laughs> Beach, right, there were people protesting California. They had the overnight curfew, oh, which yeah. is COVID, which I don't understand how a curfew helps COVID exactly. I'm not COVID. sure. No. I guess Guys, the science the shows COVID has to sleep too. It sleeps. It <laughs> but stops. none for the riots. No, not for the riots. Yeah, no. no. Well, I mean, maybe it did sleep. See, because that's, <laughs> that's off. They take off shifts. So here's oh. And here's the thing is that they keep playing on the idea that like the protests are riots, but also the idea that the protests are sanctioned by the state as if they're ignoring all of the arrests, all of the police brutality that goes on at the protests, all of that situation. For a protest to be deemed riot it has to be done so by the city by the state by officials so uh what do you mean um and this is like part of that victimhood that apparently the far left is in cohorts or is the government and it's just not true and it's fucking wild they're they're putting people in a level of disobedience that only obeys the republican party which is so fucking corporate that people are wondering if they're an autocratic party already some oh, people yeah, yeah. in Huntington Beach in California. Look, you're not all uh, spineless serfs uh, protesting the uh, COVID <laughs> lockdown in Huntington Beach. 
Not only no crimes, those flags didn't even touch the ground accidentally. Oh, Beautiful. That's wonderful. Then here's another one. Yeah. Again, we're talking about what can you do? Acts of civil disobedience. Know your rights. If you run a business, you can run your business. Understand the authority that people do or don't have to shut it down. Understand your right to peaceably assemble and protest, to petition. These are your rights right now. I, I don't know if those are necessarily your rights, especially when... Uh, you've signed away a bit of your freedom in the name of the Leviathan known as society. You give the government a bit of freedom so that they protect you. And when it's time, f time for you to be protected, I mean, it, it has a little bit to do with being what, you know, doing what you're told. That's the unfortunate uh, exchange that we've made here. But here's the thing is that he hasn't broken down anything legally as to what your rights are. He's still playing off the idea that work is freedom and somehow is enshrined in the Constitution, enshrined in human rights when um, he just keeps saying that it is. There's, there's no actual piece of paper that we could say these are the rights, which, you know, these are the privileges. Um... Hmm. And he keeps saying, like, know your rights, understand your rights. And I really honestly thought this was going to be a segment that was actually a bit more educational. But it seems to be, I don't, it seems to just be, like, more of a bolster segment. Just trying to, like, reaffirm all of the um, rhetoric and already preconceived beliefs that have built from this whole COVID shit. It's just, it's 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 more of, like, this re, re reaffirming the beliefs in the systems of these rhetoric so that's what we're going with here i thought it was going to be a little bit more educational maybe actually getting into some constitutional law some state law some specific things that can actually protect people from having their businesses shut down from the government but he's saying that you just tell them no I know a lot of people want to say that yeah. you don't have these rights. They didn't go away, and they don't, they're not only afforded to uh, members of the Black Lives Matter Antifa Black Bloc group, just to be clear. <laughs> and here's the thing is that they didn't have those rights either. Th those people were arrested. Um, in the state where I live, people were arrested and were not um, allowed bail for uh, an entire week. You know, and there was that time in Portland where federal police were also arresting um protesters eventually leading to them f having to face federal charges so what we're looking at is uh out of context fear-mongering straw man bullshit i will continue to say it it's bullshit but he is definitely uh playing to the base instincts that we've kind of even been building in this whole covid anti-lockdown situation of tyranny when you know the government doing stuff um even if it's actually on the behalf of the common good and their public health, um, he's going to spin that in a way for it being tyranny because, I mean, he's funded by the Koch brothers, if I'm not mistaken. If not the Koch brothers, then at least, um, you know, Blaze TV having connections. Let's see here. I can't remember exactly where Steven Crowder gets his money, but it's right-wing corporate money. And right-wing corporatism really needs people to continue showing up for work. And so that's the idea that he's really bolstering up here. And it also just fits in the whole echo chamber, creating this homogenous group of right-wingers that were able to coalesce under the banner of Trump. While the whole left and anybody that was center away from the Republicans of what they are now went for Biden because, holy shit, can we not do the Trump thing? 
but you know, whatever. All right. Too much. That was too much. Uh, as a matter of fact, it even applies to Polish Americans with eyes that look like upside down quarter moons. Here's oh. a Polish American yeah. who was comparing the lockdowns to uh, Eastern Europe. And just, Uh-oh. I love this guy. <laughs> Right now, focus on the United States of America, which we witnessed firsthand. Uh, all this uh, b- b- voter like fraud that's going bubbles. on with the election. <laughs> they want to take it over by fraud. By the fraud. By, by the, the fraud. fraud. Firsthand, how the communism and socialism work. Uh, it's beautiful idea, but it's actually inhumane system. Yeah. Yeah. I would tend to Here's agree. Much. People I say like religion. The religion is uh, the cause of all wars. What the actual fuck? So for one, that Polish man um, began by just, you know, regurgitating the same thing you can find on Fox News. Secondly, he said uh, he lived in a socialist communist state that was both, that was beautiful, that's a beautiful idea, but is inhumane. And then we get no elaboration because guess what? We're watching a right wing channel where you don't need to full in, uh, fill in full context. You can allow socialism to be hated um, without actually having to get deeper into that subject or exactly what he was trying to say. You can just cut the clip off there because they'll start typing in the comment section saying, man, that Polish man really knows what the fuck he's talking about. Mm, I don't know if you're counting religious atheism, <laughs> uh, if you're counting Marxism, but people who lived under communist rule understand that. And uh, here's another one, too. Th- wait, this isn't people miss it. Marxism, but people... I don't know if you're counting... Socialism work. Uh, it's beautiful idea, but it's actually inhumane system. Yeah, yeah. I would tend to Here's agree. Much. People I say like religion. The religion is uh, the cause of all wars. Mm, I don't know if you're counting religious atheism. <laughs> if you're counting Marxism, but people who lived under communist rule understand that. The fuck is uh, religious atheism? I can't believe I'm Googling this. Okay, it just comes up with atheism. But dummies.com says it's a fucking thing. Religious atheism, and then he speaks as if it's Marxism, but Marxism isn't a real... It's not even necessarily an ideology. It's it's, 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 It's a... I guess it could be seen as an ideology because ideology is everything, but I feel like it's more of like a socialist um, look at economics rather than a capitalist. So the, I feel like this the Marxism is a is a, just like a subgenre of a socialist idea, where you know it's a little bit separate. Marxism is actually more of just an analysis analyses of economics. Um, whether it has to do with capitalism or socialism, but it was Marx, so it was pro-socialist because he wrote the Communist Manifesto. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but religious atheism, known as Marxism, I feel like that's just trying to build that, like, these ideologies are cults, which they can be, I guess, you know, because the Republican Party, to me, is a an ideology of capitalism, but at the same time, like, they act like a fucking cult. And uh, here's another one, too. This is what people miss. They think it's just in the United States. This is worldwide. The difference is the United States is the only place where you have a voice left. So that in and of itself is very important as it relates to civil disobedience. In Europe, places like the BBC, where people say, I get my news from unbiased sources like the BBC. You mean funded by the British government? (laughs) 
In Canada, CBC, you mean nationally funded news? Mm. You don't need to go to Venezuela to find it. And so people who are protesting, right, in a lot of these European nations, they're just not allowed to have a voice. So you don't see it. And of course, I constantly get uh, these violations on. Here's the thing, though, is that even though it's like BBC is funded by the government, the government is made up of three major parties. You know, we might not have that kind of news here. I don't think we do, but we only have two major parties and our news is very blatant about who they mostly represent. So Twitter in accordance with German law. Well, the last one we got was Japan. <laughs> Japan, oh, was Japan was very oh. upset with one of your posts. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Go back to stealing hip hop and skateboarding. <laughs> J Japanese culture is if you are the only other culture that has skateboarding, hip hop and baseball, you're America light. You just don't have guns, and that's because you wouldn't know how to use them. Mm. So, but what about the tentacle porn? <laughs> yeah, Gerald well, tells me about the tentacle. Let it porn. never no, be said that I they did not have. contribute to modern American society. <laughs> we get it. We have freedom. We have the First Amendment. We have the Second Amendment. You have used panty machines. Oh, good for us! Very good win. Innovators. <laughs> A godless society. <laughs> yeah, I don't find any of this funny but here's the thing is that even though they have like pantyhose vendors they have vending machines for everything and i find that much more impressive than than what we've got because we still have to go to the store or have amazon deliver it like you can literally be walking down the street and be like oh fuck yeah dude i could totally go for uh uh i don't know uh a skateboard Maybe there's a vending machine for that. I don't know specifically. I've never been to Japan, but like he is not funny to me. Ugh. They have people whose job in Japan it is to push you in the subway. Did you know that? Yeah, really? there's certain people. Yeah, like yeah. subway yeah, packers. They're yeah. so mm -hmm. they're so full. They're like get in there, get the fat ass in the subway. <laughs> you, <know what laughs> you think those people are not petitioning because now That's they're awesome. keeping people like eight people per subway? Like, do you think people still want us to push with them? <laughs> we don't. I wonder what it's actually funny if it's the joke or the caricature delivery of the joke, aka his accent. Need to pack them, but do you still want the comfortable push? Look, we're worried about <laughs> restaurateurs, restaurateurs, hairdressers in America, but what about the Japanese subway pusher economy? Right. Yeah. What about unionize. they need jobs? Too. Those jobs, you can't do anything else with those except go to prison. Maybe they can push each other onto the third rail. Oh. Oh, okay. Let's see. We do a role play. So, um, <laughs> we don't first. know that this happens across the globe. Berlin still can't get it right. Here's an anti-lockdown protest in Berlin, and uh, then as the camera pans, you'll see how they still treat their people in Germany. Oh, look, protest, peace, peaceful. Okay. Doesn't look like they're burning. And the fire hoses. No, no, that's vodka. <laughs> it's a party. And the fire hose. Oh, another accent. Good God. I fucking hate this show. Uh, but here's the thing is that, you know, if it's an if if that stuff happens to an anti lockdown protest, you have a truly oppressive government. If it happens to a BLM protest, then you have um, the cops doing what they're supposed to be doing against a violent crowd. Um, and we don't have any context again uh, to what led to the fire hoses being shot. And since I'm not a very big fan of cops, I'm sure the cops are wrong. But I, you know, I don't have any context here. So I'm going to agree with Crowder that that was not right for them to shoot the hoses at peaceful protesters. But uh, I uh, cannot stand the hypocrisy. But I guess I'm, I would be a bit hip hypocritical if uh, I said that I was 
pro-BLM protests and anti-lockdown protests because people should be able to do their protests. I just definitely believe that one cause is much more selfish than the other. Are you going to? Are we going to send the German shepherds? Not in this case, there's a lack of irony. <laughs> Perhaps we send Rottweilers. Maybe that would be, you know, like a, a flip, better. like a spy versus oh. spy kind of violation Ooh. of uh, rights. Berlin, uh. you still don't get it right. I'm keeping my eye on you. <laughs> I thought we stopped using water cannons in the '70s. Bad optics. No, they didn't. In the place that likes to talk down to America, while they have brownouts, horribly skyrocketing energy costs, and they still fire hose their protesters. Yeah. I do want to say that every other article I read on any kind of left-leaning sites, you know, you know, we talk about how you know read a lot of the kind of what the other side is saying. Yeah, is they just selectively taking European countries and just being and browbeating the shit out of Americans over right. it, yeah, yeah. being like, "Look, Angela Merkel, she gave everything." to everyone and all of their dreams came true and then the next day they're like Germans are the worst and they have Nazis in their government and then the next day they're like they crushed COVID and then the next day oh they didn't do so good like yeah they crushed COVID how fire hoses it's amazing the pressure you can wow. get when you remove the eco nozzle I fucking hate this show I hate it so much not only have we not learned anything but they come out with a lot more baseless uh, like, uh, I don't know, accusations of what the left does with, like, uh, with this joking humor as if it's, like, not actually happening, it's a joke, they're trying to make you laugh, but at the same time, think about how seriously dumb the fucking left is, It's and then, like, we're back to the accent. I fucking hate this show, and I cannot believe. How many, how many views does this one alone have? Good God, uh, 1.5 mil. Might as well be, and I, uh, oh You take off the little <laughs> rubber gasket, you can really do some uh, harm to people just trying to uh, eat some pie at a diner. Oh you know, gosh. COVID doesn't thrive in dead bodies, yeah. so. <laughs> it really true. doesn't, that's true. Very Unless true. you're swimming in them, because uh, they've been fire-hosed with max shallow grave. Oh. Yeah, uh, Germany, I'm sorry, I don't care. I don't care what Germany has to say. And, and this is something else that was interesting. People have often, we've talked about Sweden. What do you and this mean? Is something that you I brought it up. He brought up he brought up Germany. What the fuck does what what Tell you I didn't I even refute because I didn't think to do uh, the research just because I didn't know it was so consequential. We talked about Sweden, had no lockdowns at all. Right. Right. There's an actual measure. It's kind of like the Economic Freedom Index. I don't know the name of it. Someone can tell me. You can tell me in chat. But they have an index that shows how free societies have been versus how uh, stringent the lockdowns have been. Right. And Sweden is very free. And so you have a lot of these people on the left to go, yeah, but Sweden didn't do nearly as well as their neighbors in Finland and Norway. Right. Now, we know yeah. that Sweden is not as bad as Italy and Spain. Sweden's better than some, worse than some, but they have seen the crippling effects to their economy. Right. Right. So I always thought, well, it doesn't really matter because Belgium, Norway, it just seems like there's no rhyme. Well, here's the thing. If you actually look at Norway and Finland, they had less restrictions than Sweden. Less. That's why. Yeah. So they're saying oh, Sweden really? didn't, they had a laissez-faire attitude, but they're worse off than their neighbors who have an even more laissez-faire attitude. They didn't even have a, <laughs> they didn't have a mask mandate. Oh, and I mean, there's, there's a difference, though, is that uh, you know, just because they didn't have laws and orders doesn't mean that they didn't do what they should have. Because maybe Swedes are a lot more responsible without having to be told. Interesting. I might actually be severely wrong. Um, this article says, 
This is from October. Um, it looks like Sweden was really lax and didn't. Uh, they actually discouraged people from wearing masks. Um, Swedish approach has its fans. Uh, let's see. Within Sweden's scientific and medical community, a debate about the strategy has simmered and frequently boiled over. In the opinion pages of newspapers within university departments and among head of hospital staff, a group of scientists known as the 22 has called the tougher measure since April, when it published a blistering critique of the country's public health authority. The group, which has grown to include 50 scientists and another 150 supporting members, now calls itself the long word COVID-19. We're not really getting any... It says the price for Sweden's laissez-faire approach has been too high. The country's cumulative death rate since the beginning of the pandemic rivals that of the United States with its shambolic response. And the virus took a shocking toll on the most vulnerable. It had free reign in nursing homes where nearly 1,000 people died in a matter of weeks. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> you should see what we're doing daily. <laughs> yeah. Stockholm's nursing homes ended up losing 7% of their 14,000 residents to the virus. The vast majority uh, were not taken to hospitals. Although infections waned over the summer, scientists worry a new wave will hit in the fall. And this was reported October 6th. Let's see. Sweden might not be the best example for either of us. Because I thought maybe they weren't uh, needing to do much because, you know, they just cooperate with their government. But it looks like I was wrong and that they were just as ignorant as everybody else. Um... It doesn't look like they do daily reports, but they are seeing the same thing that the rest of the world is seeing, which is an increase, which is spikes. Top ep epidemiologist says Sweden has no signs of herd immunity curbing coronavirus. Uh, Euro News reports serious deficiencies uh, in Sweden's retirement homes under fire over coronavirus care. Uh, Business Insider says COVID-19 lowers Sweden life expectancy. So, yeah, I don't know, just because they didn't do it, and they're a much smaller country, and maybe they had travel restrictions. See, there's just so much context that Crowder doesn't in include in this, um, but Sweden seems to actually be a bit of a slow boat when it comes to uh, catching up to the rest of us, because they did keep their daily cases under 2,000, even under 1,000 for a while. But now they're really starting to break, break bad, and uh, I think one of their highest was above six thousand cases in a day. Actually, about eight thousand. So, uh, hmm. yeah, not sure if that's something that Crowder necessarily wants to brag about, especially since yeah, Sweden has a lot more co different context than we do, uh, a lot more different. So. And Finland, they just got, you know what, Finland, they should just take the one. The terrorists showed up, saw how boring it was, and left. 
They're like, this is cold. We don't really want this place. Hmm. We're looking for something to bomb, but also to pass the time. (laughs) Exactly. What I love about this protest, though, is that people in Germany seem to have bigger balls than people in America right now protesting things that are against their beliefs. Some people. I know. I'm not saying overall. I'm just saying that's a huge protest. Yeah. That's massive for them. They don't even have that right to begin with. You need to understand, too. When I get violations on Twitter, I get violations of German law, violations of Islamic law, violations in Pakistan. But these are countries where my account would probably be removed if I- so crowder talks shit about how finland's really boring and i found this article here by dw.com saying why is finland coping so well with the coronavirus um it actually lists reasons so one was finland reacted swiftly um the coronavirus app was widely accepted Oh, it looks like Sweden has the highest cumulative number of COVID-19 cases in Nordic countries. So while Crowder brags about how Sweden uh, didn't do masks, mandates, or really anything, they were very laissez-faire, he praised them for that, even though he completely ignored the actual statistics and numbers that says Sweden sucks dick when it comes to handling this virus, and comparatively Finland, which to him was boring, uh, is actually doing great. So what we're really measuring here, the the, the targets that we're trying to hit and the standards, uh, <laughs> mine is way different than Crowder's. I want to keep people safe. He wants things to remain normal, I guess. Are based in their country oh, because course. I would be so- and also like I said when I originally came into this I thought this was going to be a lot more talking about like how specifically Americans who are anti-lockdown could actually go out and practice civil disobedience but so far we're not really getting any of that we're uh, we're talking about how other nations have done um there's this isn't like a how-to guide this isn't a survival guide this isn't a guide whatsoever it's literally what I said earlier, which is just reaffirmation into the already preconceived beliefs that they have from the build-up front of these COVID-19 lockdowns. And uh, the poor don't-tread-on-me oppressed right wing. Subject to those laws. Huh. A lot of Americans don't understand this, and I was some, you know, I was raised huh. in Canada. If freedom of speech goes here, it, it goes everywhere. That's why the Hong Kong uh, protesters yeah. were singing the, national, the American national anthem. Yeah. You may not like it. You may not. I think they were singing our national anthem because, like, people have this mixed idea, especially made from, like, um, what is it, like, Hollywood. They have this idea of what America is, and we've built that mythology and that picture and that, that, that stereotype of America being the most free. Um, I think that's probably why Hong Kong had more to do with that. But um, if free speech goes here, I don't know if it's going to go everywhere else. That's um, pretty bold and self-centered to think that. Um, and, you know, it, it just it really depends in what, sh- in what country you're talking about because free speech, you got to be specific because I think what's the most Im- important part of protected free speech is uh, the freedom of press and the freedom of assembly. Speech itself, um, that being alone... Uh, I guess, but I feel like freedom of assembly and freedom of press is much more important. And I like how people exercise their civil disobedience or their, their free speech rights here. But you need to understand that is uniquely American. It does not exist anywhere else. You don't get fire hosed down simply for assembling. No, you get uh, rubber bullets, tear gas, 
Um, and even the contemplation of a heat ray in the state's in the, in the nation's capital. DC police wanted to use a heat ray on protesters. So while other nations are still using water hoses, we're contemplating heat rays. That's a thing. Google it. DC protests heat rays. Now, I know some people will say that Donald Trump beanbagged some folks, but that's because the steeple was on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Beanbag. Not beanbags. Nope. Rubber bullets are not not beanbags. And also, uh, what steeple? Different strokes. Here's one that was in Michigan, another civil protest. It was Operation Gridlock uh, in opposition to some of the yeah. lockdowns from Governor yeah. Whitmer. This is another creative way. Here you go. Whoa. That being said, like gridlock in Lansing, it's inconsequential. People <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I didn't like, really want to go anyway. Yeah. It's like an adult snow day. You mean I can't go to work in Lansing? Ah, oh, I guess I'm calling <laughs> in. Bus, sorry, what's the cars? Oh, there's two inches of snow. It's very creative. Uh, and then here's another one. Do we have this one? Do we have clip one E? I do. This, this is uh, another example, and it's crazy that these people are the rebels. This is um, a uh, well. This is these people are Jewish, mm -hmm. um, or as they're known if they're practicing Jews on Twitter, not welcome. Oh. Um, this is a secret Jewish. Jesus fucking Christ! He thinks like the world is more racism racist than he is. Wedding with thousands of maskless people. It's wonderful. <laughs> Hey Cuomo, you better come out and stop him. All right. They cut it off early, so I just want to see something real quick. It was in New York, and he says it's crazy that the uh, that they. Um, uh, that they had protests, and I think he's making that highlight just because they're Jewish. So that's uh, that's pretty great, and uh, it's gonna take some time before we actually see whether or not that was a super spreader event. So, because it just happened not too long ago. And I guess there's a lot of weddings going on. Okay. So that's a developing story. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to have to leave Crowder there because honestly, I thought this segment was going to be far more different, but it's, uh, it's really just trying to bolster people and get them into the idea of hitting the streets, um, but not actually giving them any skills or information tools uh, of that. It's literally just trying to get angry MAGA anti-lockdown voters out into the streets that's great so might as well move on to the next segment before i bore myself to death and hit up what laura ingram thinks is going to happen next focus of tonight's angle in what was perhaps the most consequential tweet sent since election day president trump gave the go-ahead for the transition you see it there and as unpleasant and disappointing as these past three weeks have been to so many of us, as much as we wish things were different, this is where things stand tonight. Now, legal challenges continue in a number of states. Serious questions about vote counting, poll watcher access are outstanding. 
But unless the legal situation changes in a dramatic and, frankly, an unlikely manner, Joe Biden will be inaugurated on January 20th. Now, to say this does not mean I don't think that this election was rife with problems and potential fraud. And to say this does not constitute being a sellout to the conservative populist movement that I've been fighting for for, I don't know, 25 years. Uh, and it does not mean that I disagree at all with the president's right and obligation to pursue all legitimate legal challenges to this outcome. To say this constitutes living in reality. And if I offered you a false reality, if I told you that there was an excellent, phenomenal chance that the Supreme Court was going to step in and deliver a victory to President Trump, I'd be lying to you. Now, you've known me for a long time now, and you long, you know me long enough to know that I will not lie to you or simply tell you what you want to hear. Fascinating that, like, I just want to say that it's uh, Laura Ingram is a talking head inside a box that we call television, and yet she wants to claim that we all know her. Um, these one hour, I don't even know how long her show is, but her, her segment on Fox news is enough for her, for us to actually get to know the act, the, the true person that Laura Ingram is. And we know her and we know that she wouldn't bullshit us. But what I will tell you tonight is that even amidst an election loss, there is an enormous amount for us to be hopeful about, even optimistic. And how things are handled going forward is going to have a huge impact on the Republicans' ability to stop Biden's most egregious moves. And thus, these next moves are critical to the future of the country. And thanks to President Trump, we have seen the amazing results that are possible with his America First agenda. Middle income, blue collar workers saw unprecedented wage gains, uh no no not really uh we i i covered this in the debates episode with trump i think back uh, god i can't remember if it was the first or the last debate that he had with joe biden but i already went over the whole wage situation or maybe it was even with uh ben shapiro's video i'm not 100 percent sure which video it is but the increments to which lower income and middle class Wages have been increasing is very small since Reagan. It was a sharp decline. So anything since then has been this very small increase that has been below the level of wages that we had in the 70s. Uh, so it's uh, not true because if you have any wage increase from that is below still of the de deficit that we suffered from the 80s, then we're not really increasing wages. Not really. Uh, because the wages are still suffering from a deficit from where they used to be. The Middle East. Historic peace deals. No Trade deals are not peace deals. That's it's just not what they are. Because like every time we build up this idea of the Cold War with uh, China and Russia, and we have trade with them, you know? So let's <laughs> let's not pretend that trade means anything of peace nobody thought was possible. Of course, we saw China finally put back on its heels on trade. And because of the... It's also not true is that uh, I, I think I remember China backing out of the trade deal and pissing off Trump pretty hard. Let's see.
So, I guess China committing to purchasing $200 billion of American-made goods over 2020 and 2021. That's, uh, that's Trump putting them back on their heels. What's our trade deficit at again? Hmm. Pretty sure it's in the trillions. From the start, $200 billion of additional sales to China was a worrisome target. Nearly 30% of U.S. goods exports to China are not even covered by the Phase 1 deal. And for those that the agreement covered, a look at 15 sets of products shows that their sales to China have been affected by disparate factors, including plane crashes, animal disease outbreaks, export controls, legal rulings by the World Trade Organization, the lingering effects of the trade wars tariffs, as well as the pandemic. One conclusion from the data is obvious. Americans suffered as China's relation devastated U.S. exports. Trump's higher tariffs have raised prices for American consumers and costs for American businesses. His politically motivated purchase commitments may have, been created, more, may have created more problems than they solved. After the election, the United States needs a new approach to address its trade concerns with China. So, yeah, I don't know what she means by putting them back on their heels, but we're just going to say that he did. The hard work and talented people Trump brought into his administration during the pandemic. He kept our economy going after a brief shutdown. And with Operation Warp Speed, he marshaled the resources to- <laughs> What do you mean he kept our economy going? <laughs> he, he literally just did nothing. This whole, you keep, they keep praising him for what he did during the coronavirus, but his, his response was do nothing and promote hydroxychloroquine and think about injecting people with bleach and UV sun rays through their butthole. Like, can we please stop pretending that he was the commander in chief of against the invisible enemy during a wartime presidency? Like, it's so full of shit, dude. It's so dumb. End the scourge. So what he did from the time he was inaugurated through now, it worked, period. And nearly 74 million... If it worked, wouldn't he have gotten uh, re-elected? ...million Americans, the largest number to ever turn out for a Republican president, they voted for him. A more diverse coalition than most of us ever thought would happen. That part is true. That part is true. It was much more diverse than I thought it was going to be. Like, who predicted Republicans would gain so many seats in the House? All the okay, that didn't have anything to do with what I was just talking about. 12 Republicans who flipped House seats? 12? Bro, I'm going to be real honest with you. They still don't have a majority. 12, 12 flipped seats is not really anything that proud of. And then also you have to question who they flipped. There's so much context. The experts say that wasn't possible. Missing. They flipped 11 so far and on track to unseat even more Democrats. This is all because of President Trump. Ditto for the Republican. It's also very insane that everything is just because Trump existed. It's, uh, it's not really logical. Gains and state. Because like even even so, like, you know, when you say it's all God, you know, you can break it down into processes and get it through into, you know, each part of the mechanism that ensured these outcomes. But uh, it's all Trump. It's all God. Eight houses across America. Now, today we see that Biden, what is he doing? 
Well, he's picking mostly bland retreads to his cabinet. True. I, I agree with that, too. <laughs> it's funny. Like, I, I hate it when I actually agree with right wingers, but there are some things that they're right about the Democrats, and it's that the Democrats suck. <laughs> John Kerry will be Mr. Climate Change. The globalist and longtime Biden flunky Tony Blinken as Secretary of State. And Janet Yellen, former Fed chair under Obama, heads to Treasury. With a few liberals dropped in at Homeland Security and the U.N. We'll get uh, we'll get to more of them later on. <laughs> now, Biden's entire administration is basically going to look like a rerun of the series canceled four years ago. Series canceled. Bro. They ran out of seasons. <laughs> Except this time without its popular leading man, Obama. Now, we know what they're going to do, what Obama did, but it's going to be worse. Gutting oil and gas jobs, open borders with no deportations, massive concessions to Europe. All right. So um, Obama deported a ton of people. So... Um, also remember when, uh, Trump said at the debates that Biden built the cages? Yeah, he did. Obama. Yeah. And, uh, Bush started ICE and Obama used ICE to deport people. So, uh, she's lying, uh, dangerously because that's the type of fear mongering that really hits the heart of white supremacy. The fear of immigrants and, uh, multicultural diversity. On trades, going to kill off so much of our uh, manufacturing and our jobs. We keep talking about our manufacturing as if that is like the bulk of our jobs, when I'm pretty sure retail is. I'm pretty sure retail is like the larger percentage of our job economy than uh, manufacturing, which manufacturing got automated like fucking 50 years ago, right? Maybe even, maybe even uh less years than that but automation has been devastating our manufacturing jobs more than actually sending them overseas but that, that also depends because we do have certain manufacturers that are overseas because the resources are also over there we don't have resources here and also we don't have no right, right. climate change deal an elimination of tariffs that will allow china to run the table on everyone and much much more more but some of this nonsense can be stopped if Republicans hold this. What did tariffs actually stop China from doing? If she could really elaborate on that, because as I've understood it, is it's an import tax that was then forced upon the, um, the taxpayer who then had to make up for that profit margin. Senate. <laughs> now that means the political capital President Trump spends from now until January 5th, the day of the Georgia runoffs, should be spent convincing the people of Georgia to hold the line. Now, in a stunning new survey, just three weeks after the election, we already have 50%, 6% of Americans who want Republicans to keep the Senate. It's amazing. What? 56% of Americans or 56% of Republicans? 56%. Where is it? want gop senate i'm googling it laura i'm googling it um hmm 
The article comes from kmjnow.com, which is a website for who? For where? For what? Anyways, I'll scroll down. Uh, 56% of voters say they want Republicans to maintain control of maintain control of the U.S. Senate, according to new Harvard Caps Harris poll. The fuck is any of that? Um, hmm. So about Harvard Caps and Harris poll. Let's see. It is conducted by the Harris poll online with the United States every monthly and captures the responses of over 2000 registered voters. The results reflect a nationally representative sample. The results were weighted for age within gender. It's, I don't know. I don't know, because I feel like you can ask one group of 2,000 voters and then ask another group of 2,000 voters and you might get different results. But I also don't do this for a living, so I'm not 100% sure if 2,000 voters is always going to be that sample size that is just, just perfect. But to me, it I don't know, it doesn't seem quite enough. But that's who did that poll that Laura Ingram used for her show. So, it is what it is. Now, President Trump can help deliver those victories, no doubt about it. And I expect and I hope that in the coming days, the president will announce a series of rallies across Georgia where he celebrates his huge number of successes of the past four years and explains why sending two far left radicals to the Senate is only going to embolden the worst instincts of the Democrat Party. That's funny. Now, winning those two seats will be a great way to embolden the Republican resistance across America and send a very clear message that Biden and his team have zero mandate to pull our country to the hard left. <laughs> this is the time for the... This is so amazing. Like, I really wish that Democrats were as cool as Republicans believe they are because they aren't. And it would be so awesome if they were, but they aren't. President, to remind all Americans that we will save this country. Even with the current setback, great patriots coast to coast have not given up. They do not want us to be mere puppets of Europe and the CCP. And unlike those who gather in Davos and opine about the end of national borders, unlike those who tear down our history and spit on law enforcement, we believe in the goodness of our people and the righteousness of our founders and our constitution. Uh, that's all dog whistles for what they believe. Um, what they actually believe is authoritarianism hidden behind the veil of mythological American exceptionalism. And I can keep using these big, beautiful buzzword rhetoric nonsense to convey a message of what the Republican Party actually stands for. But what do they actually stand for? The continuation and success of capital and power. There. We believe our independence cannot be sublimated to a global order determined by unaccountable bureaucrats in Brussels <laughs> or in... You forget to make people terrified of globalism. Paris. The uh. people who have to get up and earn a living every day, they need to know that they still have champions who believe the government should work for them, not against them.
and the elitist who came from like a literal golden tower is the guy for that job. And that means we need President Trump to continue advocating for American exceptionalism and continue reaching out to communities who've been lied to or per poorly served for generations. And I think that when we get into 2021, 2022, we will have seen Team Biden stumble from one crisis to another. And voters, oh yeah, voters will start wondering when we're gonna have a president who once again looks out for our interests. Neither party ever has. Thinking about this uh, today, the deep state, Schiff, Pelosi, big tech, the media. Buzzwords, buzzwords, buzz, 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 buzz. Wall Street, they shoveled money at Biden. Trump is literally like, I don't know. I don't know a single candidate that probably isn't Wall Street backed. Hollywood, pro athletes who make millions in China, they all did everything they could to destroy Trump. Plus then we are hit with a pandemic that originated and, okay. oh. in China. And yet with all of that, on January 21st, 2020, he will still be the most important person in American politics if he wants to be. After all, we all know Biden's not going to be the one calling his own shots. <laughs> People, I don't think, realize what it's going to be like when we have more than 70 million Americans mad at the way the government is run under Team Biden. Now, it's true, the Democrats were mad, too, for four years. But at least for most of that, they had incredible peace and prosperity to enjoy. Addressing what? the irregularities and what? instances of possible. I hope she was being sarcastic because like since the first day of Trump becoming president protests now uh, there. Uh huh. So we'll see inauguration day if there's going to be like any right wing protests, but I don't think that they will reach the gravitas of the by uh, of the Trump ones that came out in 2017. That's actually where I'd, the first protest that I had went to against Trump was his Muslim ban. I didn't get out in the streets when he first won because I didn't vote that year. So I was like, I don't, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to show up for a Hillary one, even though I wouldn't have voted for her either. But, you know, banning, uh, blanket, blanket banning Muslims. Uh, that was my line. And that's when I went to the airport to do a protest. But, um, Trump, uh, Trump encouraged a lot of protests, and then they really hit, hit peak as he took on Black Lives Matter, um, which is a similar issue that Obama also handled, which Obama didn't deputize uh, federal troops, marshals, U.S. marshals. So that's, you know, there's a silver lining there, I guess. You know, <laughs> Obama never had a death squad go out and kill an American citizen before having due process. So there's that. There's the, if you want to call that a bonus. Possible fraud in this election. It probably won't be possible before Trump leaves office. But what he could do, this is just as important as, jo uh, as Georgia, is appoint a presidential commission on election reform. And this group must investigate exactly what happened in states like Pennsylvania and in Michigan, et cetera, and offer serious recommendations to see that this never happens again. That he loses? Because, like, of course, this is just all in the context of you're already mad. 
so let me feed your anger this is an actual information that is going to empower anybody watching the angle there is zero reason why every state in america can't be like florida or texas and call this thing on election night this cannot turn out to be a permanent find the votes you need game to bury republicans no way but believe me i think the democrats are hoping they're probably betting that President Trump spends the next six weeks just railing on about how the election mm. was rigged and so forth. Which he will. But I don't think there's a need for him to keep relitigating that in the court of public opinion because a huge percentage of Americans already believe that. Yeah, 70 percent of Republicans. Trump remains the most compelling voice in American politics. percent of Republicans. And this Thanksgiving, we should all be incredibly grateful for his service to our country and his sacrifices for this country. He didn't make a sacrifice. The fact of the matter is, no one else, at least not right now, can- If becoming president is a sacrifice where you catch COVID and then your treatment is paid for by taxpayers, then sacrifice in this country is yet another full of shit bullshit. Bring the energy, draw the crowds, and attract new voters like Latinos and African Americans as he did. Mm. And I personally cannot wait to see what President Trump does next. And by the way, you're always welcome here. And that's the angle. I don't feel welcome, mainly because I am of leftist persuasion. Um, so I don't believe you. Oh, great. Sean Hannity <laughs> has a segment called Live Free or Die. Oh, it's an hour long. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. The right wing is literally trying to do everything that they can to get the working class to kill itself. It's fucking amazing. Wow. And so to wrap everything up, uh, we're, you know, still staying in the realm of toxicity because politics is that. It's toxic in America. Does nothing good for anybody. Um, you know, it may provide some food stamps, some health care, a little bit of housing here and there, but not much, not too much, especially during, you know, a pandemic just before Thanksgiving. That's definitely when the Senate should break. That's definitely when they should go on holiday. But to just kind of move a little left of what is usually on this program and what is usually in my realm of toxicity, we're going to go uh into a late night with stephen colbert formerly known as uh stephen colbert report colbert report that's what it was but now the late night show with stephen colbert i think is what it's called i think i just slowed down his um and uh he's going to be talking uh with uh president uh obama and that's where uh, this is my last segment here is to actually get some rhetoricism from former President Barack Obama. Buddy, let's say hello to our friend, Mr. John Baptiste. Tell him, Graham, I gotta go past this dude. Hold on. I didn't do it right. Hold on. He's talking. All right. Thank you so much uh, for joining Got me it. today. It is wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you. I, it is good to, it, it is good. Like I said, this show has no editing. It has no preparation. It is all but the Tao flowing in the eternal now. The never-ending beginning. Let's get it. Unprepared, raw, uncut. Good to be seen. I've been seeing style. you on television, but it's oh, good that's... to see you in person. That's nice. And, uh, that's got to help the demo in some. How old are you? 
Are you are you I am are way you, over are you, your, are you I, between I'm 18 not, and 54? I'm not the demographic you're looking for. Sorry, it doesn't it's count. It's too late. I apologize. Uh, it doesn't count. Michelle says, "Hey." Oh, good. Yeah. Good. You know she good. you know she loves you. Well, so, I've I've really enjoyed spending some time with her over the last 4 years. I know. And, yeah. and and she 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 adores you. She thinks the world of you. I think you're okay. Can we just just take a moment? Can I just I don't, and I want to talk. I just yes. I just want to take a moment to 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 drink you in for just a moment because <laughs> I'm having to get used to looking at a president. <laughs> Again, you yeah. know, I've gotten out of I've gotten I, out of the habit. You got, got I got to warm up for Joe Biden. I don't want to pull anything when I see him take the oath <laughs> of office. You got to ease me into this a little bit. Joe's going to be great. And dunking on uh, Donald Trump. Because, I mean, his presidency really began with people dunking on him. And it definitely should end with people fucking dunking on him. And the unfortunate thing is is that, you know, the Republican Party is going to have such um, ecstatic nostalgia for him, for Trump. um, And that's going to suck. But for the most part, there's going to be a good amount of comedy coming out and... Um, good introspective reflection on how much and how big of a piece of shit he was. And, and I have no Kamala doubt. Kamala is going to be great. I and, no um, and currently you know, they're, is. They're going to have big challenges ahead, but, um, uh, you know, we, we've got the potential of uh, returning to uh, a, a presidency that is actually paying attention and, and trying to you know, do right by all people and not just some. A lot of announcements of cabinet yes. positions over the last two days. People I know. Guys you know, it's a whole lot of return to the sort of uh, the stability and what's that word? Competency <laughs> <laughs> of your eight years. I mean, I just have to wonder with Obama saying that America's, you know, the same thing that Biden tweeted is that America is back and he said that it's going to be a return of a presidency of a president that cares. But what I genuinely am curious about is how we can say that the system or the representatives care about everyone equally when certain actors actually pay more into their existence either through super PACs or major donations into their party or their uh, elections and their campaigns you know corporate money entering into the elections that having significant more power than actual votes. So you have to wonder how a society or a system can actually balance those things when there is a um, quantifiable uh, difference in the gaps of power in in what actual uh, democratic power there is in this society, which I think, in my own personal beliefs, that more of it is in capital than it is in democracy. That democracy is actually capital, and uh, voting is this, uh, I don't know, ritualistic tradition that we do uh, to, I don't know, either make ourselves feel better or to make the elites think that they're actually doing the right thing. Who really knows? But for the most part, I do genuinely believe that uh, corporations or a billionaire's money has more voting power, more democratic power than uh, a working class average Joe Schmo who votes every two to four years. Which is novel. It's as good as a vacation right now as somebody who actually wants to do the job <laughs> that they're hired to do. That's an interesting idea, isn't it? And, and have experience and have read yeah. about stuff and yeah. know where countries are. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, see? And, like, I, I, I haven't forgiven Obama for the deportations and the drone strikes, but that's some genuinely funny shit. Saying that, like, it's isn't it nice to have a president who reads stuff? And you know what, Barry? I agree. I agree. Bizarre. It's great. So, how you been? How you been the last four I, years? I haven't seen a lot of you. No. And it's been... Kind of. I don't know if you've been paying attention. It's been kind of crazy out here. We're we're all we're all a little tired. This is how I want to sit today. <laughs> this is my actual. This is America's posture. We're a little bit like a bone fish right now. It's one of the reasons why it's nice to see you. So um, I'm listen. I'm I'm I am good. Uh, yeah. But but I think that I I am typical of uh, a lot of, of us who are lucky enough that mm -hmm. our jobs haven't been endangered because mm -hmm. I was already out of a job um, right. uh, as a consequence of COVID. Um, Do you know, have any prospects? Anything uh, coming down the line? <laughs> I haven't uh, had anybody in our uh, immediate family to get sick. Mm, that's um, lucky. You know, we, we don't have to worry about the bills. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, so on the one hand, we've had our girls at home. That has been a complete joy. I mean, even more so, I have to wonder how much, like, this is a little off topic, but I really have to wonder how much social mobility most of these capitalists actually believe exists out in the world. Hmm. For us, I don't know about them. And then, you know, the, the uh, uh, I, I think I've used this phrase before, the uh, shambolic nature of uh, the government response obvi obviously has uh, been frustrating. Um, Especially after you left a game plan yes. for this very specific thing and talked about it before yes. you left. Yes. That, what was that, that like to watch this that, response? That, that's, that's Look, man, all right, you know, it was too expensive. The whole thing that Obama created before he left office, too expensive. You know, what's, what's, uh, you know, what's uh, a quarter of a million American lives to, you know, uh, you know half a billy, honestly. That's the frustration. This would have been hard for anyone. I mean, you see even people like Angela Merkel, who you know, is herself a scientist, mm -hmm. exemplary, uh, you know, but you've still seen some spikes in Germany. Yeah, it's difficult because it is a very infectious disease or virus. It's very infectious, very high infect infection rate. I don't think it's as high as... Um, as swine flu, but it's uh, or H1N1, but it's still it's pretty high. Um, but let's take Canada, where the death rate is thirty nine percent ours per capita, right? That that that's a measure of if we had done the work that what uh, was not rocket science, right? We're not talking about inventing vaccines. I'm glad to see the vaccines now coming on board, but preliminarily communicating effectively, uh, respecting the science, not undermining uh, the leading epidemiologist in the country mm -hmm. and saying he he's an idiot. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, being consistent in terms of masks and social distancing, not suggesting that, um, you know, this is some uh, act of oppression, but rather just a common sense thing to prevent people from getting sick. Uh, you know, had we just taken those steps, um, there is no doubt that we would have saved some lives. And ironically, 
the economy would be better because we would not uh, be swinging back and forth in the ways that we have and people would feel more confidence uh, about um, uh, making uh, you know day-to-day -day decisions about shopping or you know uh, besides the out. besides the obvious but that's not what we're really measuring here um trump is measuring specifically the stock market um obama seems to be talking about the economy in general which also seems to include the working class whereas the stock market doesn't but the stock market is definitely showing the splitting or the increases of profits among shareholders uh board members and ceos so trump bragging about one subsection of the economy doing well because he didn't do anything about covid is very indicative of the kind of response that o obama may have had is that maybe um I don't know. I, I don't think that Obama would have taken the steps um, that were necessary if they were actually going to cause profit shortages for certain businesses, corporations, what have you. But maybe he is able to make them to or able to have the conversation to help them make concessions to that idea. I have no fucking idea. All we know is that Trump went with the Hooverville way. He went with the fucking the, the not Hooverville. Right. Was that is that that is that that president's name? I can't remember his name, but he was the one during the Great Depression who didn't do anything. And then, never... yeah, it's the same idea. Instead of a Great Depression and not doing anything, we had a great pandemic and decided not to do anything. Yes, uh, nature of it is the responsible thing to do. Yes. Um, and it is the uh, economically vital thing to do. Right. Are you surprised that they did not see the political advantage it of looking like you cared? as well. And, and, and yes, and, and, and I think that that is, um, I know. And that, and that is like the actual strange thing is that if like he had actually done more about the pandemic, would he have not actually gotten probably more votes and it wouldn't have actually hurt his campaign? Um, yeah, that it, it's so strange. It was so strange to be like, so, um, I don't know, ineffective and incompetent in the actual time of need of leadership and for that to actually hurt your chances of reelection when you're trying to get reelected. Unless he was truly only trying to get reelected through these like somewhat illegitimate coup kind of means to to do the Steve Bannon kind of way. Cause like, I don't know. There's too many moving parts to really put anything into perfect context. But when I really think about this whole election cycle and how we went through it i always kind of keep steve bannon in the back of my mind and how he's kind of the arsonist trying to get this matchbox lit and to what degree i have no idea does he want it to the point of syria or is he just trying to continue to build that infighting amongst the working class so that the left and the right never unify into one singular consciousness um i have no idea very everything is way too complicated than it needs to be and that's why you shouldn't uh or i shouldn't i shouldn't be telling anybody to do anything and now i'm getting lost in my own toxicity but hey nobody should be listening to politicians for simple answers we should always be having dialogue to figure out um just solutions for complex problems like because co complexity demands decompartmentalizing taking things apart and reassembling it and really just breaking it down to understand um and if you ever have it explained to you and it's so simple and it's not broken down then you have to get a little sus you know don't trust it don't just just trust it you know but uh that's i don't know that's the way i i guess i have to do it measure of um, 
how detached from reality and how embedded um, ideological and conspiratorial thinking has become. Yeah, and Trump did contribute to that heavily, especially with the conspiratorial thinking, because he always made baseless accusations. His whole thing was founded on the idea that a deep state and all these rogue actors were trying to take him down and that he was a president trying to fight off all of these people. So, ugh. And what's even funnier is that Obama kind of assisted him in that process because the Senate failed to actually uh, take the whole there's so much there's so much is that like they didn't actually try to impeach him based off the, the the Mueller investigation and the obstruction of justice they did it off of the ukrainian call there was so much more that democrats actually could have done that i honestly feel like they played t-ball with the guy um but uh it is it is true that with the four years that we spent under Trump, it did affect millions of Americans' minds and the way that they are going to then interact with the government and then future candidates. So this these are like reverberating repercussions that we are going to hit really hard come 2022 and then yet again 2024. It sucks. Where, uh, Because if anything, like politics should become less and less toxic because that means that uh, cooperation is becoming more normal and standardized, but the more it becomes toxic, that means cooperation is less likely to happen. Um, and we're seeing an increase in toxicity uh, from the beginning of Trump all the way to the end. You're doing it even when it's to your disadvantage, right? Uh, in your original show, right? You know, there was a... You know... The Colbert Report was fucking amazing. I don't know if like maybe I have uh rose-colored nostalgic sunglasses on about the Colbert report, but its satirical view of Republican news was fucking amazing. I loved the Colbert report. You're you're satirizing a certain attitude. Yeah, I I, I honestly like I think I even liked it a little bit more than the Daily Show. I love John Stewart, but I'm pretty sure Colbert report was the thing that I stuck around for after the Daily Show. Mm -hmm. But you never thought that folks would actually start believing. I did not know I was a prophet. <laughs> yes. I thought I was a comedian. You thought you were a comedian. Mm -hmm. and, but now you're, you couldn't make up some of the stuff that you're seeing. And it is to the detriment of the country. But as you said, it's also to the, it, it runs contrary to what would have been smart politics if uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the Republicans wanted to uh, maintain the White House. And that in some ways is more troubling because now it's no longer even strategic. It is, um, Harmful. you're drinking your own Kool-Aid yeah. uh, in a way mm -hmm. that uh, I, I think is, is, uh, is, is troublesome. And, and uh, it's so amazing how much better Trump is at convey or, <laughs> oh my God, um, how much better Obama actually is at conveying these uh, messages across. But here's the thing, too, is that it really frustrates me that he sees the danger and has been, like, minimally active in actually uh, defeating it, at least in the public sphere. He might be doing a lot of private work to try and combat Trumpism, but, like, him doing these, like, you know, appearances, especially on cable television, like, so far apart and sparse, like, it's just, it's weird. And like right now, we know it's for a book that he's he's released called A Promised Land. But um, it's yeah, Obama is very aware. I know he's an intelligent guy. That would that would be stupid of me not to think that he is an intelligent guy. But he is very aware of the situation that we are going through, and yet he has been 
eerily quiet on the situation to the point of like you should be louder you should be more concerned you are concerned but i just don't think that you're really that concerned and maybe that's part of being part uh in the club of the protected class and that's why he's he can talk about it because he is worried about the general uh i don't know soul of the nation but overall he's not actually going to go out of his way it seems like to me uh to actually make sure that this level of authoritarianism fascism yeah i said it isn't going to actually take over in this country because i saw an interesting tweet today that said if bernie had won the primary then trump probably would have been able to do his coup <laughs> i just thought it was funny because like they literally the democratic party proved that they would choose a lackluster candidate in order to defeat bernie sanders <laughs> it's you know so um you know and it played with me the idea that joe biden was going to lose to trump because joe biden was so lackluster but enough people were so anti-trump that it pushed biden over the line one of the big challenges that joe biden's going to have is to figure out how to puncture that you know information bubble that uh, uh, not just republican officials but joe biden's not going to be able to do that Joe Biden is not going to be able to do that. And it's actually going to have to come from ground level work because people are getting in contact with right wing media news all across. Like the fact that YouTube has Tim Pool, Charlie Kirk, Stephen Crowder, Ben Shapiro, Dave Rubin, Prager, Prager University. Um, there's countless Benny Report, uh, Jimmy Dore Show, Rush Limbaugh, Alex Jones, you know, there's so many, the whole censored TV crew, there's so many right-wing talking heads that are getting more a hold of family members than actual members of the family. So, you know, we just, I think it's not Joe Biden's job to fix the information bubble or the separation of reality here. It's literally everybody's job. And it actually really has to start to begin with a, a political party that is honest all of the time. And, um, that's a long ways to go in America. That's a long ways to go. Sizable portion of voters are in right now. That gets you to a question that's buried deep in these pages right here, but it could be the only question I ask you. If I only had one question yes. to ask you right now, it would be, what happens now? <laughs> what, what the hell happens now yeah. when you have a half or 70% of the Republicans, so maybe about 40% of right. the public right. think that Joe Biden won by cheating. Yeah. And they, they believe that all these fantasies being promulgated right. about right. Democratic cabals that seem to be pulling the strings in states, Democrat or Republican, right. all over the United States, how do you then speak to those people, even if you're someone like Joe Biden, who's capable, believes in uh, a government? I don't like suits, but I am honestly digging Colbert's. This is a very nice suit. Very swank. Just, just pausing it just for that. Yep. Doing the job to serve the people right. and is empathetic to the needs and concerns of the people who don't vote for him. Because right. part of, and we'll get to you eventually, but part <laughs> of... What I think is extraordinary about what we're about to go through is that you know that Joe Biden actually does care about the people who didn't vote for him yeah. and why they didn't and what they think. Yeah, How he, does he reach those people? Well, I, look, I, I think he's in a good position to, to make the effort. Uh, the fact that he won is indicative of uh, 
the message he sent uh, of wanting to unify the country. I, I do think people are exhausted by just this, you know, uh, you know, World Wrestling Federation constant cage match, and people should have said enter entertainment. Just want to feel as if a day passes without uh, it being dominated by something crazy coming out of uh, the White House. That that photo opportunity after y'all had yeah. had your conversation in the Oval mm -hmm. Office, and I don't I don't want to spend a lot of time. I've talked about the president a lot for four years, and I've, I've had my fill. <laughs> but uh, that was a chilling moment for me to watch because I perceived in that moment the dignity of the office, or rather the trappings of dignity and. Um, status that falls upon, rightly, falls yeah. upon the person who holds that office in that moment. And I saw the way, uh, or rather I had a flash, an emotional flash of all the ways that could be abused over the next four right. years. Were you having a similar feeling in that moment? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a concern. And were those concerns borne out over the next four years? Exceeded. Thank you. Mr. Mm -hmm. President, we have to take a quick break, but stick <laughs> around, everybody. We'll are you worried about the expansion of executive powers that both you and Bush implemented before handing the reins over to Donald Trump? That's that's all I'm going to say that question was. Oh boy. Well, so that's, you know, that's the liberal side that we just went through there, the neoliberalist side that, you know, they're hoping that Joe Biden can be this bridge between conservatives and Democrats, even though they acknowledge that there is an information bubble, a separation of reality between the two parties that seem to exchange power in this nation. And they're not that concerned about it. Um, but I guess that's because we deal with incremental changes here, and when things are supposed to be worried about, that's when we worry about them. So, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm probably going to play some Witcher 3 until Cyberpunk comes out, and then I'm going to play Cyberpunk until uh, the next fascist gets into office. Um, but, you know, we'll still be here with some Tox news because <laughs> it's never not going to be toxic. I can promise you, I can promise you that. But it's good to know that uh, Steven Crowder actually doesn't know how to be disobedient. He knows how to hold guns for a thumbnail and try to get some clicks, some edgy clicks. Um, and then that, you know, Trump's coup sucks so bad that Laura Ingram has to play off the already the nostalgic memory of what Trump's presidency never was. And uh, then finally, finally, the liberal, neoliberal perspective of how bad Trump was. And thankfully, we've got a moderate in office who will be able to bring these people together, even though even during that Ingram angle. Um, she said, and Crowder said that the far left was going to do lockdowns. Engel said that Joe Biden was going to have his far left agenda. So that's this is the reality that we're dealing with. And, uh, yeah, I really wish that, uh, you know, Colbert was a different show because these are obviously softball questions. But, you know, Obama doesn't need to be really pressed right now. He's no longer the president. He just committed... You know, we'll be right he, back with president. He just did, you know, hundreds of drone strikes, but you know, it's it's neither here nor there. We're talking about Trump and his fuck ups. Um, but yeah, this country has a very long way to go to bridge the gap between its two political parties and then destroy them in order to have a much more diversity of thought that can actually prosper the common good of everybody. But until then, I mean, hit up Twitter 
at as a wave a z a w a v talks and news on youtube on your favorite podcast whatever um pour down rebellion.net where some i have some really old writings from last year um i don't know hopefully i can get some more in there but uh, i don't know am i that type that needs inspiration or am i just bad i don't know you know find out next time on dragon ball z um i've been your host and um i think it's about time you get out of my house and uh i appreciate you stopping by though it's it's been a hundred percent my pleasure and i own all of it and will not redistribute any to you because you are undeserving and unworthy please enjoy your radical radical life